everybody. Sorry I'm late. My godson, who's a really fantastic singer, is up for a role in a movie, but the big movie studio executive won't give him the role. So now I've got to give him an offer that he can't refuse. You're listening to This Film Is Not Yet Created, the podcast where we make our own versions of movie sequels that never got made. With us, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Steve Grande. Hey, sorry I'm late. I was running up the art museum steps and fighting Apollo Creed on Christmas Day. That's why I was late. (laughs) And today we have a very special guest, uh, one of the funniest people that I know. It's Mr. Brian Walters. Hey, guys. Sorry I'm late. I, uh, I befriended a warthog and a meerkat, and I can't remember who I am. (laughs) <laughs> thanks for having me thanks for being here brian uh brian is uh with us all the way through uh new york we're here in chicago he's out of new york so this is very exciting this is our first how how appropriate for this movie interstate yeah uh yes fantastic uh today we are covering the warriors the classic warriors. yeah just get it out of the way right at the beginning. <laughs> I had always heard things about this movie, but for some reason it always escaped me. I'd never actually seen it. Ah. So thank you for making me watch it because it was it's the best movie yeah. we've covered on this show so far. Was yeah. it your first yeah. time? It was mine for sure. It wow. it was my my second time, and I remember seeing this when I was like twelve, and that's when all like the Spider Man movies had just come out and shit, and I was just like, oh, this shit's boring. <laughs> but now I watch it, and I and we saw it with that superhero cut, and I'm like, oh god, why why is that even in there? I the super the director's cut. Yeah, yeah. Director's cut, I like, did not watch that version. I've never seen that one. It's all like comic booky, and oh so yes, like, yes, I have seen that. Yes, instead yes. of transitions, it goes to like panel to panel. It Absolutely, totally changed the like tone of every moment. That's <laughs> true. We did our best to make fun of it and then try to yeah. ignore it. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, I um I love this movie. Obviously, since I pitched it to you guys. Um, you know, uh, living in New York City for 10 years now, uh, I think The Warriors is such a great time capsule of New York City in 1979 and what yeah. it looks like and the and the feel that they were going for. So uh, at least, you know, once a year, once every two years, I, I go back to that movie uh, just as a ritual. And I've always dreamed up of a sequel. So as soon as I heard about your podcast and listened through all the episodes, I was like, I got to get in on this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, this is, um, yeah, this is very exciting. I'm so glad I watched that movie. I'm going to be revisiting it every couple of years, too, now, I think. Nice. I was really, uh, well, I'll talk more about that later. But um, let's dive into our, our pitches, our versions of the sequel, right? Great. And I know that, Grande, you have a teaser trailer. So why don't you take us through your teaser trailer? I do. Uh, My teaser trailer is just simply called The Warriors 2. (laughs) Um, I'm going to read the stage directions. And Brian, in your most sultry impression, can you give us the DJ from the first one? Of course, yes. (laughs) Okay. Are we ready? We're ready, (laughs) (laughs) All right. The sun sets on the New York City skyline as we fade into the DJ leaning into her microphone. To all you heart stoppers and big boppers, 
hope y'all are kicking it up and keeping it cool because things are about to heat up. Massey raises his fist into the air and stands in front of a hundred rifts. They raise their fists and weapons into the air. While the king is dead, his throne is bursting with new beginnings. But you fools already know by now. A shadowy figure slides a key under the basement door. The prisoner opens up the door, staggers out, and sees a knife on the ground. He picks up the knife and continues to limp down the poorly lit hallway. When you strike one down... With the knife held up high in the air, our prisoner steps out of the darkness. It's a severely beaten and bruised Luther. His face is so damaged that his right eye is slightly dangling out of its socket. He <laughs> he grins before uh, before he screams and stabs a sleeping Masai in the chest. And yes, he's still wearing his aviators <laughs> when he sleeps. <laughs> Many more will take its place. The rogues, the orphans, the Lizzies, and the baseball furies march side by side up the steps in front of the Rift's church. A quick montage of them breaking windows with bats, kicking down doors, and beating up Rift's before they walk out of the church, now burning to the ground. Which one of you is going to reach out and take that crown? Reach Out, I'll Be There by the Four Tops plays over a montage of gangs fighting in the streets. The montage introduces some new gangs into the fold. The Broadway Bashers, a gang... <laughs> A gang dressed in tuxedos carrying orchestral instruments, instruments as melee weapons. One of the bashers takes two large symbols and crashes it and crashes them, sandwiching the head of an opposing gang member. The Madison Avenue Madmen, a bunch of clean-cut, well-groomed guys in suits getting out of a limousine. Cut to one of the madmen, played by Dolph Lundgren, flipping an opposing gang member onto a table and then fiercely stabbing his enemy in the stomach with a ballpoint pen, blood splattering onto his face, very much in a, a American psycho way. Um, the Bleecker Street Betties, a ladies, a ladies roller derby team. They are seen circling around an opposing gang member. A lasso flies into the air and cuts to them skating in the opposite way they rolled in, holding the rope in a line as they laugh and drag their enemy through the street. We then cut back to the DJ. That's right, my babies. It could all be yours. But first, there is one burning question on everyone's mind. Ajax is laying on his prison bed. He looks towards the cell door and a leather vest, a.k.a. his cut, gets thrown at him from a shadowy figure. Just when, oh when. We see a gang walking down the Coney Island boardwalk through a long corridor sided by all of the gangs of New York City. As they walk up to the Ferris wheel, which they see, uh, the ride cars are filled with gang members yelling and hanging out of them. They see Luther, now wearing an eye patch, <laughs> yes. and the rogues standing on top of the ride's boarding platform. Are the warriors... The gang is revealed to be the Warriors as we can't pan across the remaining members from the first movie as Swan steps out through the middle of the group to the front. Gonna come out? Luther opens up the Ferris wheel, the car door. Out walks Ajax wearing a rogue's vest, Whoa. holding a tied up Mercy. Ajax grins. 
to play. <laughs> the music crescendos to the song's chorus, the I'll be there part. Uh, we cut to the title screen, Warriors 2, coming summer of 82. Yes. Hell yeah. So good. <laughs> I want to see that movie. I want to see it too. Yeah. As, I, as I was like finishing that last part, I was like, God, I wish this was real. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, so yours is set uh, like pretty much after, realistically after the first movie would come out in 1979, right? Yeah, I mean, I didn't think too hard about it, but it's definitely within like either a couple days or a week or two since the since the Cyrus thing, like Ajax is still in jail from getting picked up. Um, I, 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 it was kind of, I kind of like based this off of watching the movie and I'm like, Whoa, they just killed the King and everyone's coming after the warriors. Why aren't they going after each other? Why, why isn't there like a turf war when this guy just before yeah. he died, stood yeah. up and like, it could all be yours. Any one of you. So I wanted to explore that in this movie. And obviously Ajax becomes a traitor and what a good Luther twist. Still alive. Yeah. yeah. Because that was the other thing in the movie. I remembered we were, as we were watching it, we knew that the one guy who got thrown into the train like yeah. he yeah. he had like a contract dispute or something with the director and they they did that to kill him off and then when James Remar uh didn't didn't show up after after he got arrested halfway through the movie I was like well shit they how why didn't they why didn't he come back around so that's why that inspired mm. me uh, he's he's one of the villains in the new movie so good yeah I, I like that it has that tone of the original. The original is so visceral and like mm. dirty. Yeah. You know? and this Grungy. Very, very much in that vein. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Thanks. That it's was fun. awesome. You know, um, one of the reasons why I love the Warriors and I, I, I don't know, I'm, I get drawn to uh, gang movies. And one of my favorite parodies is uh, Anchorman. When they have their uh, gang fight, you know, and that's kind of what it reminds me of. Also, is all of them meeting up, uh, you know, to face off with the rifts. And uh, yeah. I love this idea of them all kind of coming together, but not really coming together. And yeah. you don't know where loyalties lie. It's so great. Yeah, I love. How, I mean, I always like silly elements too. So I like that you had a lot of bits in there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I, I I like remember watching this and I and I was watching some YouTube videos yesterday and they were all like, oh, this movie was so like panned and like dismissed by critics because it promoted youth violence. And I'm watching it, you know, today in 2020. And I'm just like, these people are dressed like bimes running around. No, <laughs> no, no New York City that I know. <laughs> Is that how it was in the 70s? Like, right. Yeah. Like, I just found it super cartoonish, and that goes into the, you know, director's whole thing of wanting it to be a kind of a superhero movie. So, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to make some stupid-ass people to be in movie <laughs> be new gangs. It also reminds me of Mystery Men, you know, the <laughs> Disco Boys, and, yeah. like, the other gangs that were in there. Yes. Um... Yeah, one of the things that really 
drew me about this movie, really, really pulled me in, was that it felt very Greek, mm. right? And it's based on this old Greek story. Um, the name escapes me at the, at the moment, but <laughs> but it is based on this this older Greek story, and like you can totally tell those beats of like, okay, now they're um, encountering the sirens, you know, that are mm-hmm. luring them in, and then now they're going to encounter the giants. You know, as the parts, yeah. all this kind of stuff, and like they have to go through all these trials to <laughs> escape. That's and, true. And yeah. uh, and so I took that idea and sort of the the idea of like mapping this Greek tragedy onto this modern story. Mm. And I did a similar thing. So mine is called King Eddie. Oh, yeah. It is, um, so I don't have a script for it. It's more just like the story beats for it. Uh-huh. Um, but this is also based on a Greek tragedy, and I'll let you sort of figure out which one it is. It's not super subtle, but um, so this is King Eddie. Act one. Eddie, about 15-year-old street tough, is on a subway platform. He wears a tire on each shoulder, and no shirt like a Mad Max. <laughs> An old Swan walks up to him all tough, and Eddie proceeds to kill Swan and many <laughs> gang members with him. Oh my God. He then puts on Swan's warrior's jacket as a trophy, and he proceeds to leave the subway and start fights with everyone he sees. Eddie travels the city. He starts targeting gangs, but ultimately kills indiscriminately and takes trophy colors from each gang member he kills. Eventually, he makes his way to the orphan's home in the Bronx. Act two. With the orphans, Eddie has a similar interaction uh, that the warriors did, right down to Mercy calling out their leader as a chicken. And when the old leader asks for his colors, Eddie says they aren't his colors. He has no colors. Eddie kills their leader, and the other members all start following him as their new leader for a gang that isn't on the map and has no colors. Mercy left Coney Island when she found out that Swan took her baby and and she returned to the orphans. And she falls for Eddie and they hook up. Of course. Act three. Eddie learns that the orphans never got got over what happened with the warriors because, you know, they're little bitches. And so he leads the orphans to Coney Island where they take their revenge on the warriors. While there, a blind gypsy fortune teller grabs Eddie's hand and tells him that he hasn't killed all the warriors. Eddie asks where the rest are, and the gypsy says here, gripping his hand tighter. He calls her blind and pushes her away, and she says he is the one who is blind, and that the last warrior is brother and father to his own children, and son and husband to his own mother. Eddie returns to the Bronx and tells Mercy of the prophecy, and Mercy tells Eddie not to listen to the prophecies. After all, she once heard a prophecy that never came true. She then goes on to detail that the prophecy was that Swan would be killed by his own son. But Swan died on a subway platform by the tires. That's the game. Oh. <laughs> Eddie is worried by the mention of this subway platform and explains to Mercy that years ago, when he doubted who his father was, he sought a fortune teller that only told him he would kill his father and sleep with his mother. In an effort to avoid this, he went to that subway platform and set out to kill all, traveling through all the territories 
and killing anyone in his way until he was killed. Mercy holds his hand. Uh, Mercy holds his hand, head in her lap and stroking her hair. Act four. This is a little bit of a cutback. Swan and Mercy <laughs> have not had a chance to travel yet. Obviously, they're poor. Getting around is safely. Uh, getting around safely is difficult. Uh, they have a child. And while Mercy is in the hospital, Swan is out ganging through Coney Island with the boys. One night, a psychic tells Swan that his son will kill him. And while Mercy is sleeping with the baby in the hospital, Swan takes the child, goes to Union Station, and leaves it there. The child is found by a bum and traded for drugs with one of the other gangs, the Tires, who raise it. (laughs) Act 5, back to modern. A bum wanders into the orphan's territory, and when confronted, tells Eddie he knows who he is, and that his father has died. Eddie starts celebrating. They all go to Eddie and Mercy's house, and we see that Eddie and Mercy now have two little girls. The bum asks Eddie why he is celebrating, and Eddie says it's because of the prophecy. He can no longer fulfill the part of him killing his father, though he could still fuck his mother. (laughs) Eddie frowns at this, but the bum says not to worry that the woman he thought was his mother is not. Eddie asks how the bum knows, and the bum says it's because he is the one who found Eddie abandoned in the subway. A guy in a red vest dropped him there. Eddie freaks out and leaves the house. Mercy, distraught, goes into the bedroom and hangs herself. Eddie returns to find Mercy's body, and Eddie grabs a couple syringes from the dresser and gouges out his own eyes. Oh my god. The two daughters slash half-sisters of his, Auntie and Ismi, come in to see him, and he pushes them out, asking the bum to watch over them. In the end, the radio DJ comes on and says no man should be considered fortunate until he is dead. Was a much darker take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, much darker, but Greek tragedy. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it fits. It fits the tone in a sense. Yeah. Uh, my guess is Oedipus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, but uh, um, I just imagine Eddie. You know, by the time he settles down, he's just got all this junk hanging off of him. Yeah. Like, he just has all yeah. these trophies from all these different gang members. And uh-huh. he's, he's like a Captain Jack Sparrow, you know? Yeah. Carrying little yeah. trophies around. <laughs> yeah. He's got all sorts of vests and, like, hats. <laughs> he has too many hats. Yeah. He's got, he's got roller skates on. He's got a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's so Uh, great yeah yeah very dark very um more complex than the (laughs) the, like the war the first one takes place over one night um (laughs) (laughs) this is taken over years right yeah yeah, this is like years go by but um you know it's like uh what was that uh square said the irishman this is like the irishman <laughs> for, for 70s street tough. This guy's entire life. 
That's so great. Uh, would it be set around the same time or, or shot around the same time as Grandes? I think so. Yeah, maybe it. Um, yeah, I think so. I think I think it comes out relatively close to the original coming out. If not, maybe like literally fifteen years later, because that movie <laughs> didn't do well when it first came out. You know, right. it it built a following over the years. So maybe this is something that's like, oh, now that now it's got a cult following, let's make a sequel to it or something like that. So yeah. nice. I like it. I like it. Okay. Thanks. Thanks. This is, it was pretty dark, but um, it, that's the darkest thing I've written for this show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. percent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought there were going to be a couple, uh, you know, laughy chuckle moments sprinkled yeah. in there, but it was it was dark all the way. Yeah. Just, just straight up bad. Straight up like bad news bears, man. I feel like it's cloudier now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? We'll, we'll 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 sprinkle in some uh, some porno-y moments. It'll be great. Um, there you go. It's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. More boobs. Um, <laughs> so that was uh, Oedipus, Oedipus Rex, King Eddie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brian, why don't you go ahead and take us through yours? Yeah. So um, I know yours. Uh, both of yours is set in the 80s or maybe like the early, early 90s. Mine is actually, it should be shot right now during okay. this COVID-19 quarantine situation. Yes. It should be shot right now and it should be released in six months. Yes. While okay. we're all still in this state, you know, no one's going to want to watch this movie like after we're out of quarantine. So this is for the quarantine people all right and um bucket green screens and we'll make it happen yeah <laughs> yeah um so uh, i do have roles for people uh so revis yeah um so i'm gonna do the top narrator that's the only line for narrator if you could do um descriptions yes and if you could also play luther yeah uh, that would be great old man luther and grande if you could play old man no no sorry if you could play dab um, that is uh that is swan's grandson all right um if you could play dab that would be great and then i will play old man swan and i will play osiris okay okay great i did this so that we're not uh doing different lines back to back sure uh, yeah um so yeah uh Wait, did you say my my character is Dab or Dad? Dab. dab. Okay. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I was confused. You said old man, and then I I hear Dad, and I'm just like, oh, where's that? Okay, so Dab, got it. Sorry. <laughs> um, so I, I want to preface that I have always imagined this to be produced by the people who produced 21 Jump Street. Okay. okay. <laughs> Hell yeah. <All> right. <laughs> Legacy of the Warriors. The year is 2020, and COVID-19 has struck New York City. To plan for the future, a war council has assembled in the Bronx at a nursing home. Interior nursing home. Twenty old men are gathered around the big circle. All of them have different outfits on, representing their colors. Whispers of Osiris and COVID can be heard amongst the men. An old member of the Warriors scans the room. The warrior is Old Man Swan. 
his eyes lock with a rattly old man dressed in a rogue's hoodie. The rogue is old man Luther. Out of nowhere, Osiris appears. Brothers! Everyone talks over him. <laughs> Quiet, suckers! Brothers! We have a crisis happening in our city. An invisible enemy has arrived on our shores. Fifty years ago, my father Cyrus gathered our ancestors for a war council. Some of you were there. Luther displays an eerie smile and stares at Swamp. Today, we have our own war council. We have a Gramercy Riff sitting next to a baseball fury, a rogue next to a warrior. If we combine all of our powers together, if we create peace on the streets, if we stay indoors, we'll beat this mother together. Can you dig it? Yeah! Swan opens a pill box and pops a, a pill into his mouth, briefly choking on it and coughing. Luther eyes Swan. Can you dig it? Yeah! Can you dig it? Yay! Now, I want everyone to stay in their rooms. <coughs> Osiris starts heaving and wheezing, coughing up a storm. Moments later, Osiris is dead. It was him! The warrior! He was coughing earlier! He's got COVID! <laughs> the room goes into an uproar as everyone slowly tries to leave the room at the same time. Some of the men push Swan in with their canes. <laughs> later on, interior of Swan's room... Swan locks his door and is seen grabbing his glasses for his smartphone. He calls Dab. Gramps. Dab, I need you to come get me. They're after me, and I can't die here. Let me die in Coney Island. Who's coming to get you? We hear a clitling, clitling, clitling <laughs> as Swan looks up to see Luther in the circular window at his door, a la the Velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> Warrior, come out to play. It's Luther. He wants revenge. He's doing his stupid ass song again. Swan adjusts his FaceTime camera to poorly show Luther in the window. Warrior, come out to play. Swan forgets to switch his FaceTime camera. Gramps, I can't see you. Flip the camera. Now, see here. I can't find where the... It's in the top is. left. Dab, just come get me today. Get the gang together, wear vests, and beat anybody in your path. Gramps, don't you want us to wear masks? I know it's dangerous out there, but gangs aren't really a thing like they were back in your days. Anyone looks at you the wrong way, you let them know who the warriors are. I'll bring you home to CI, Gramps, I promise. Title card, Legend of the Warriors. Weird 79 music playing. <laughs> All right, so after this yeah. synopsis, I'm going to be reading this part, if that's cool with you. That's so Dab recruits Floss, Thunder, Binge, Ganj, Nano, <laughs> Meme, 
and raffle yep. via a Zoom meeting. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they meet at Coney Island Station with their warrior vests and masks on. They come across a stranded tourist played by Tom Holland. They find out that he originally came to Coney Island just to see the Warriors' landmarks. He had grown up on the, quote, documentary. Tom the ah. Tourist tags along. So it's a living documentary in this movie. Yes. Uh, a Showtime crew enters the train, and the Warriors start a brawl because one of the Showtime dancers looked at Binge the wrong way. Showtime. Interspersed. Luther is still harassing Swan. Luther reveals the scar on his arm that Swan left him in Coney Island. Swan slips that Dab and the Warriors are coming to get him. Cut to, to get away from the scene of the brawl, the Warriors get off the train at Barclay Center and face the stranded Mormon missionaries who are asking one too many questions. Cut back to, Luther reveals that he's asymptomatic and that he was the one who killed Osiris. He begins, <laughs> <laughs> he, he begins maniacally laughing as he spits on all of the door handles and windows. <laughs> the warriors make their way over to the Brooklyn Bridge, but can't pass because of an unusual amount of Pokemon Go players blocking the bicycle walking path. The warriors throw their phones and some of the Pokemon Go players into the East River and make their way to Manhattan. Tom the tourist is able to contribute and holds his own. He asks for a vest and is denied. Cut to Luther is seen making a mysterious call. Cut back to the warriors try to make their way to Fulton Street Station when they see a bunch of Wall Street douchebags smoking cigarettes and laughing loudly. The warriors beat them up just for the hell of it. A young finger hits the intercom of the nursing home. I'm here to pick up my Grandpa Luther. The warriors make their way up Manhattan via subway when they are stopped by the Chelsea Queens. The warriors snatch wigs, smear makeup, and break heels before they exit at Times Square. Hey, what are you doing with my heels? <laughs> Bitch! <laughs> the warriors get split up. Half of them face the Times Square Elmos, which are joined by the Times Square Mickey and Minis. Hey, fuck you! <laughs> hey, five dollars uh, for picture. Half of the warriors face the Mervell and DC heroes. Tom disappears for a second, and a Spider-Man appears. <laughs> Luther reveals to Swan that the warriors are never making it to him because his grandson and the rogues are protecting the nursing home. The grandson is played by Joffrey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. After an epic fight, the warriors exit towards Midtown West and hide in a bar. Beautiful drag queens begin to seduce them. The warriors are confused. Didn't we face these bitches already? The Midtown drag become highly offended that they were mistaken for those party city clowns. These <laughs> drag queens are significantly more polished and tough oh, adversaries. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Somehow, with limited casualties, the Warriors and Tom make their escape and head uptown to the Bronx. Tom has a touching moment with the Warriors. He shares how the Warriors inspired him to come to New York City and taught him how to be tough in the streets of London. 
The Warriors. Yeah, with the big bad clocks, man. <laughs> the Warriors make their way. <laughs> the Warriors make their way to the nursing home to find the rogues waiting for them. After a debate on how times have changed and how silly fights are, they agree to a one-on-one -on -one dance battle. Dad beats Joffrey as a furious Luther pulls out a pistol to shoot Dad. Before he can pull the trigger, Swan throws a knife at Luther's neck. Luther screams, No! in pain as Joff witnesses his grandfather die. In a rage, Joff pulls out a pistol to shoot Dab before he can pull the trigger. Tom Holland smacks down the gun and Joff shoots himself in the foot. The rogues take their leader with them and disperse. Swan, old man Swan comes out to greet the warriors. Tom is starstruck. Dab and the warriors take Gramps to the train station. Grandpa Swan uses the handrail to walk down the stairs. He is not wearing gloves. <laughs> As, That's the most dangerous part of the whole movie. <laughs> As they are waiting for the train, Swan pulls out a pill bottle from his pocket. In slow motion, the warriors witness Swan take off his mask to pop pills in his mouth. No! Dab is distraught. It is too late. Swan has a deep talk with the boys about legacy, generations, and how times change. But the important thing is family and tradition. On a quiet train ride home, Dab checks in on Gramps to find that he's peacefully passed away. The warriors carry Gramps all the way back to Coney Island. The warriors thank Tom the tourist for saving Dab's life. They take off Swan's vest and hand it over to Tom. Tom wears the warrior vest and displays it proudly. Dab looks at Tom and says, Can you dig it? The legacy of the warriors. The <laughs> end. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Nowhere to run to, baby. Nowhere to hide. Got nowhere to run, baby. Nowhere to hide. Oh, that was so oh, much fun. That was a blast. Thank you. Oh my God. I like that you both kept Luther alive. Um, oh, yeah. He's such a weird and good villain, you know? He is, but oh, he should have died. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he probably did, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's what the movie wants us to think. Right, right, right. right. I mean, if no, they no. killed the warriors' leader in the beginning, they for sure killed. Right. Uh, yeah, Luther. Yeah. Yeah. But I I like Luther so much. He's just such a you know this is a cult classic movie, and he's a big part of that. You know, so many of his right. lines. So I, I thought like he has to come back. He has to yeah. be so ratty looking right now. 
Yeah, I mean, the way that you made him into a raptor is also, like, so perfect because, <laughs> because he already kind of does look like a raptor. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's a spirit animal. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I before hearing about your podcast, I always had this idea about this movie, and I thought that, uh, you know, Channing Tatum and, and Jonah Hill could somehow make the story work so that they could recruit the Times Square Elmos or like these different yeah. New York City caricatures, you know, that yes. you could find. And actually, I've been listening to your podcast on my walks around the neighborhood, and it's just so dead out. And I was like, how is the warrior so dead as well? You know, it's so bare. The only people you really see are the one or two people okay. that hug the subway walls that go, ah, you know, and yeah. they hide. Or the uh, street shop owner who's like, where's my money? And Luther throws yeah. the money at her. So I, I thought that would be a perfect scenario for the second movie to be in the similar vein with COVID-19 being the setting, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's very fitting. Um, yeah, and I like I like setting it in modern day, keeping the homages to the original, but also um, calling it out and being like, no, we're not so violent anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, <laughs> I'm like a person-to-person basis. Uh, uh, you know, I always, I, I was also thinking that the War Council only takes place amongst the old men, you know? Yeah. Like, nobody yes. cares about this thing anymore. Uh, like, no modern person really cares about this thing anymore. So... Um, yeah, the but, Warriors but, all meet up at Denny's every yeah, yeah they, they, they love talking about the the glory days, man. The good old days. Yeah, they, they, they shit talk new, like current day New York anytime any chance they get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I did want to include some you know tech tech issues with with the older generation trying to figure out stuff and so make dead. it realistic. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much, Brian. That was that was really special. I'm so glad that like I got to see like I you painted a beautiful picture for me. Is what I'll say. <laughs> thank you. I, I'm like, glad I, I was finally totally able to get it out. The, yeah, I could see the whole thing. Yeah, like, I just want to see more Elmo's fighting. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I completely forgot about that. I wonder. I wonder if there. Were, do you think there were those things in the '70s? Like people dressed up in in costumes like that out in Times Square. Well, you know, J- Joker was kind of an '80s homage, and and it seemed like their Times Square had you know a clown flipping stuff. So yeah. th- there were probably like maybe one or two costume people, or even like uh, Broadway people who dress up now, you know, as the Chicago. Like, hey, come to Chicago. Want to check out a musical? Or the people dressed up in different outfits. So they were probably dressed up as cats back then, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Did they have buttholes? Oh, my God. Right. <laughs> Brian, yeah. uh, thank you for joining us again. Before we get out of here, is there anything that you would like to plug for our audience yeah. partners that they can find you? Absolutely, absolutely. So uh, I know, Grande, you are... Uh, a fan of it as well, but I, I host Sauce Cinemas. Um, it's kind of down right now because of uh, this whole situation, 
but we are trying to figure out the future of it, maybe doing like a Netflix party version. Um, so that might be something to look out for. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Sauced Cinemas. What and is Sauced Cinemas for anybody? Yeah. Oh. Sauce Cinemas is a movie night uh, with drinking games and, and trivia questions. So uh, all of the trivia questions pertain to what you see and hear in the movie. It's nothing outside of that. So the more you pay attention to the movie, uh, the more likely you are to answer these questions correctly. Great. Yeah, and the, um, I don't know about online, like what the yeah. future, how to do that. But it, yeah, when we do it in person, uh, yeah, we give away prizes and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, we've been doing it for a couple of years in Queens now. And we finally got into Bora Magazine right when uh, <laughs> happened. Of course. Yeah. But the uh, last thing I want to plug is that I'm doing this live show every um, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, so 2.30 p.m. for you guys. Every Sunday, I'm on this show called Jono and Friends. And uh, we're a space team that interviews different people on Earth, interesting people on Earth, and we spread happiness. So if you guys are interested, there's a crazy puppet, there's a piano man, and there's uh, oh, yours truly. So you had me a crazy puppet. Yeah, <laughs> it's called Jono and Friends. Jono and Friends, and it's on um, Facebook or Instagram. How can we find it? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. I believe all of those you could find it. If you could find us on any of those, that would help us out a lot. You know. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Brian. Please, yeah. please, everybody check out Sauced Cinemas thank and Jono and Friends. Thank you. I know I will be. Hell yeah. Um, now, I'd, I'd love to keep talking to you guys, but I gotta go. There's a whole town that's having Christmas and I need to steal it. Oh, well, sorry. I gotta, I gotta run. I gotta go. I gotta pick up some flowers for my uh, fiance, Lisa, who I love so much. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm sorry, guys. I do have to get going. Um, I actually just discovered the concept of time travel, and I need to collect six stones in three separate timelines to fix the population crisis and take down a giant purple tyrant. <laughs> <laughs> it survived.